church. I hope you're going to bring the excitement into the word of God. Come on, somebody, sharper than a double-edged sword. I wish I had a half a church in here, able to sift through the bone and marrow. The word of God, hallelujah, the word became flesh. Glory, glory, glory. If you'll stay standing right there for the reading of God's word, I'd like to start out first by thanking my spiritual headship, the patriarch of this family, Pastor Raymond Zypher, and the matriarch of this family, Pastor Heather Zypher, for giving me the opportunity to share tonight. We're going to be coming out of James chapter 1, and I'm going to be coming out of the NASB first. Somebody say first. first. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, Jesus. I can't hear you. Somebody say, Jesus. To the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all a joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let me hone in on the second verse, our root text tonight, and I'm gonna come out of the King James Version. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, my brethren, count it all a joy when ye fall into diviner's temptation. If you guys will pray with me, one mind, one accord. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we acknowledge your presence in this house. We do not take lightly the opportunity to be called sons and daughters. We pray that you would move through this word to enrich our spirits and send us forth to make disciples, preaching the gospel to the nations. We give you glory for all the fruit in this house. We thank you, God. We bind the fowls of the air, the prince of the airwaves. We cancel any demonic assignment by the blood of Jesus of Nazareth right now now we give you praise and honor and all the saints of God said amen Amen. you may be seated praise God so we're going to be coming out of James chapter 1 verse 1 through 4 to start this thing out tonight and we're going to be going across a very familiar text of which most of us have heard from child up into our adult years Some of us are adults, but we're still acting like child, so we'll work on that later. Amen? I'm going to start out with an undeniable fact, and so when God gives me revelation now, knowledge is earth to earth, but revelation is heaven to earth, right? So when God gives me revelation, I call it undeniable facts. So these are facts that no matter whether you're walking with God or you're not, you cannot deny the truth. And so I have a few undeniable facts for us tonight, but I'm going to kick it off with one right here. If you'll allow me a little rope. And the first undeniable fact is the mark of a maturing Christian when somebody in their circle of influence falls, instead of focusing and gossiping about the egregious act they start thinking about how powerful of a testimony it'll be when they bounce back. Come on, somebody. Let me say that again in case you didn't get it. 
the mark of a maturing Christian when somebody in their circle of influence falls, instead of focusing and gossiping about the egregious act, they start thinking about how powerful a testimony it'll be when they bounce back. Amen. And so we're going to be coming out of James chapter one. I preach out of the NASB because my daddy preaches out of the NASB. Amen. Come on, somebody. And I'm a big enough man to call my pastor daddy. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You see, some of us in this house have been searching our whole lives for a father. Some of us had a, a male role in the house, but he never took the role of father. How many of y'all know that just bio, biology alone does not make somebody a father? A father is a calling. It's something that we choose to stand up and answer. Amen. Can I get a witness in the house of God tonight? So I'm going to be coming out of the NASB and it says here, the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Pause button. Okay, greetings. So now he has greeted the church. So what I want us to do is take a second here to acknowledge who he's talking to. He's talking to the church. So if anybody's ever been at really large churches in the Metroplex or maybe seen them on YouTube, uh, a lot of these churches have many campuses. And so what they do is the main campus preaches in all of the sisters or the plant churches. They have this humongous screen that drops from the ceiling all the way down. It's kind of awkward in person, but after a few minutes, you actually get lost in it and you start laughing at the same time that the people on the first recorded version laughed. Are, are you with me tonight, church? So now they didn't have the, the media that we have to this day. So what they did is they read letters. So who this letter was read to were people in the church. So I want to acknowledge that they were in church service when this was being read. Now, many people were bringing letters to the church, but they were not authoritative, which means they didn't have any power to them. The authoritative letters of Christ, the 66 letters of the Holy Scriptures were voted into by the church elders as being 100% inerrant, without flaw, and powerful. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness in the house of God tonight? Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. So this letter was voted into the church as authoritative, which means it came with the power of God behind it. And he was giving this letter to the church. All right. So we've established the, the audience. Now, in my root text, verse two, I'm going to come out of King James. It says, my brethren, count it all a joy when ye fall into diviner's temptation. Now that kind of threw me off because my whole life when I've been taught this passage or read this passage, I saw it as addressing people that faced temptation, but they were victorious over it. Right? Am I the only one? So these were people that came to the face of adversity, trials, t tribulations, and the testing of their faith, and they were victorious to the trial, right? That's how you've been taught, right? Somebody say the devil is a lie. I did a quick word search in the Greek and I found that the Greek word for encounter or fall is pepepito. And pepepito means fall victim to. So he wasn't talking to any triumphant warriors at all. He was talking to people that had fallen. But where were they in this moment? They were in church. Come on, somebody. So they went through a season of backslide or they went through a fall or whatever your personal devils and demons are. They went through those encounters and those trials and they fell. But they got their behind back in church. Amen. So these people are back in the house of God. They have chosen not to use their failures as an excuse to stay stuck in failure. And they chose to walk forward in the glory and for the power in praise of his name. Come on, somebody. If you're going to praise him, don't play with him in the house tonight. 
And so I want to talk to us tonight about falling. Tonight my text, my topic is God's focus isn't on the fall. Whew. In Romans 8, 38, thank you, Holy Ghost. Sometimes we got to give room for the Holy Ghost, right? Pastor said it. Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Brady's going to follow me in a second. But it says uh, that I know now that nothing, neither powers nor principalities nor rulers nor things present nor things to come will separate you from the love of God. I, I missed a few words, all right? Amen. Notice it didn't say things from your past. It said things present or things to come. Nothing present or things to come will take you from the love of God. It ain't talking about your past because your past was paid for. Your past is under the blood. So get off the cross. You know, Christ only spent six hours on the cross. Hello. In 33 and a half years, it's less than 0.000.2% of his time on earth was spent on the cross. Get off your cross and let's go to work. Come on, somebody. God's focus is not on your fall. So we're going to get to the meat tonight. Somebody say, I'm hungry. Well, then feed me, bro. All right, we'll work on that second part. Let's go to Luke 10. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is a very familiar passage in Luke 10. And we're going to look at another individual that fell, and we're going to see the way people responded as a result. Now, before we can get into the Good Samaritan, we have to see why the Good Samaritan was spoken, right? So we're actually going to back up a few verses. How many of y'all know that the Bible was never written in chapters and verses? That's something that man did afterwards, right? Oftentimes, we miss so much meat because we don't go back a little bit. All right, so if you'll go with me, the word of the Lord reads like this. We're going to come out of the 25th verse, Brady, Luke 10 and 25, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, who's him, Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul and strength, and you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now that's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, which is the Shema, which is known as the first prayer taught in the rabbinical schools of trade to this day to little Jewish boys and girls. They learn this passage and they memorize it. It says to write it as frontless between your eyes and on your wrist. So this is the the uh, hallmark verse of the Jewish faith. So he's making a reference to the first prayer he would have ever been taught as a little boy. And he says, well, what's the law say? Well, that's easy. What do we have for him, Johnny? Absolutely nothing. Come on down. He says, yeah, I got some knowledge for you, Jesus. Here, let me throw some verses at you. Jesus has an answer. He says, okay, <laughs> you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Notice it's in bold letters. He's like, okay, good luck, brother. Uh, do we need to do the Ten Commandments test real quick? Guess what? Let's save time. You fail. Here's what I love about God. He doesn't encourage you like, oh, better luck next time, buddy. No. You failed. You always are going to fail. In and of yourself, you have no ability to produce righteousness. It is only in Christ. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness in the house? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Let that bad boy die then. 
He said, do this and you will live, 29. But wishing to justify himself, how many times do we find ourselves trying to justify ourselves to God? Wishing to justify himself, he said, Jesus, all, uh, and who is my neighbor? So he's trying to trip up Jesus. Somebody say bad idea. We'll keep going in, the ver in verse 30. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem. Pause button. Anytime the word of God says going down, it's not, it's not the uh, R&B verse that we know. I'm going down when no one's around. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about elevation. And the word of God, when it says going down, it's always talking about a descent, an elevation. When they said these going up or down, when we're going up to Jerusalem, remember, Jerusalem is always up no matter where you are on the map. So when they say they're going up to Jerusalem, it means they are ascending. When it says they went down to Capernaum, it meant they went down to Capernaum. So they said, so he said, verse 30 in the world reads, and Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho was the sin city of the Old Testament, post-Sodom and Gomorrah, and fell among robbers. Somebody say, fell. fell. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Can anybody relate to that? Now, maybe you're in the house tonight and, and maybe your past uh, isn't, isn't what you hear in testimonies in this house often. So maybe you went down and fell amongst robbers and they robbed you emotionally. Okay, let's try to take this word forward, amen? Maybe they robbed you of your time, amen, and they left you half dead. Maybe they robbed you of your mental fortitude. Are you guys seeing this tonight? So they went down and they left him half dead. So we're looking at an individual that has backslidden. Backslidden takes many shapes, forms, and sizes, amen? God says, I don't look at the outside of the man. I look at his heart. Come on, somebody. Verse 31, and by chance, a priest was going down on the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, somebody say a Samaritan. A Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. He felt compassion, and he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds. He poured oil, we know in the word of God, theology for you for a second, oil represents the Holy, the Holy Ghost. He supplied him the spiritual nourishment he needed, as well as the physical nourishment. You see it right after that. Pouring oil and wine. Now, wine was not uh, given the way that it is today. It was the only clean form of drinking liquid. You'd have to drink uh, tons of vats of it, is the word that they would use back in that day. Today, we'll say boxes, right? You would have to drink like 10 boxes of this stuff to get uh, even uh, slightly mentally uh, jaded. Is, is anybody with me tonight? So don't get it twisted. Well, Jesus drank wine. You didn't do your homework, brother. All right. So they, he poured oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, this is crazy because what we see is this individual that's going through a season of suffering. We see this individual that's going through a season of tragedy. We see this individual that's going through a season of testing of their faith. We see this individual going through a season of crucible where he's being refined. Can I get a witness in the house? And the priest, there was two priests, there was one priest and then there was a Levit Levitical priest. They saw this individual stuck in this trap of demise and what did they do? They cried the other side of the street 
right? They olayed the opportunity to be used by God. You know what's crazy? Because this reminds me of the parable of the fig tree. You see, Jesus, as he was coming into Bethany, he saw the fig tree from, a, from afar, and it looked like it was supposed to look. You see, these priests looked like they were supposed to look. They looked like they would be a man of God that would provide spiritual nourishment, that would provide some type of encouragement, edification, equipping, somebody that would provide some compassion. But unfortunately, when Jesus lifted up the leaves, he found no fruit. Jesus would say to these people, you are nothing but a whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside, but ain't nothing but dead bones on the inside. So they saw the person stuck in their defeat, stuck in devastation, stuck in tribulation, and they chose to walk the other direction, but the Samaritan ran towards the opportunity to be used by God. Now let's talk for a second uh, about the Jews and the Samaritans because there's obviously a clash here. We see it in the scripture often, but we got to look at where this clash began. About uh, uh, 575 BC when King Solomon died, the, uh, the, the tribe of Israel, the kingdom of Israel was split into two. Somebody say split into two. Now, the northern tribes, which is the 10 northern tribes, they were Samaritans. They were Samaria. And then the southern tribe was called Judah. Now, Judah was made up of the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. Now, remember, King Saul was called of the tribe of Benjamin, which, by the way, was the lowliest of the 12 tribes. And guess what? King Saul's family name was the lowliest of family names within the tribe of Benjamin. All right, you guys ain't hearing me. All right, come on, somebody. We'll keep going. Now, I want you to see that the Jews and the Samaritans were like the original Hatfields and McCoys. You guys familiar with that blood feud, right? Come on, somebody. Anybody that's got AMC or uh, TNT, you've seen these, these, uh, these little episodes running about the Hatfields and the McCoys. This was the original Hatfield and McCoy. They were bloodthirsty. They were willing to throw down at any second if there was even a look of disgust from the other tribe. And we know that Mount Gerizim was built a temple in which the Samaritans uh, worshipped, and they said that God dwelt there instead of in the temple in Jerusalem. We know that we see the woman who had five husbands, and uh, Jesus reads her mail, man, right? He calls her out, and she was like, I doth perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, my father say that we should worship on Mount Gerizim, but your elders say we should worship over here. This is the battle of Jews and Samaritans, and it's still going on to this very day little education for you there. All right, Luke 10 and 35, let's pick it up. We got time, come on. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, on the next day, he took out two denarii. Denarii was a day's wage, so it's two days wages right there. So he puts him up in the inn. He bandages his wounds. He loves on him. He feeds him. He gives his spiritual nourishment because he provided oil, right? You tracking with me today? And he leaves, but he doesn't leave him hopeless. He leaves him with two days wage. So he leaves him with some provision to continue being under the protection so that he might receive the nourishment and the health that he needs to come up. And that's not where he stops, guys. Let's keep reading. 36. Sorry, 35, on the next day he took out two denarii, he gave them to the innkeeper and it said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. So this leads us to believe that this specific Samaritan had clout with this innkeeper. He had some relational equity with this innkeeper. 37, and he said, the one, uh, sorry, 36, now he's speaking again to this Pharisee, this lawyer, 
Ooh, boo, 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 right? He's speaking to this guy that's got it all together, that looks good, knows how to say thank you, Jesus, and raise his hand at the right part of the song, but on the inside, there's nothing to be found. Somebody say nothing. He said, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy towards him. Jesus said to him, go and do the same thing. All right, so I've taught you the passage. Now I want to preach it. If you guys will give me a few minutes, we're going to do some takeaways. These takeaways are practical applications to our lives and revelations from the word that we can walk in tomorrow when we wake up. Hallelujah. So the first takeaway, let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. And while you guys turn there, I'm going to drink some agua. We need some Jeopardy themed rush music right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being such good participants. Luke 10 and 30 and the word of the Lord reads like this. It said, Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst robbers and they stripped him and beat him and they went away leaving him half dead. The first takeaway of tonight is the impact of our falls are defined by the company we keep. Let me say that again. The impact of our falls are defined by the company we keep. Undeniable fact. You want to know where you'll be in about five years? Take a really good look at the company you surround yourself with. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you want to see where you're going to be in five years, look around yourself. Look at the people that you're putting in your circle, the people you're spending time with, the people you're boo-hooing to when somebody gives you an order that crosses your will. That's who you're going to be like. Birds of the same feather flock together. Hey, come on, somebody. I try to stay stuck to my pastor like white on rice because that's who I want to be in five years. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness in the house of God? Hey, listen, you don't need to surround yourself by yes men. Can I get a witness? You need to have people in your life that are going to challenge you so that you will go forward and improve and seize the inheritance that Christ died on Calvary's cross to extend in your direction with the anointing and fire of the Holy Ghost to walk through the trials and tribulations of life without being consumed the way of the world. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Somebody say without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you know the only constant in the universe is Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that's never going to leave you. The only thing that always shows up. In Psalms 22, it says that he enthrones the praise and worship of his people. It didn't say he sometimes enthrones or he might enthrone it says he enthrones Jesus promised us that he would never leave nor forsake us that he would never give us more than we could bite off and that in every temptation he would give us a route of escape Emmanuel God with us let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of son but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near undeniable fact falls don't begin when we fall 
They begin when we allow compromise into our life. Your fall did not take place the day that you chose to go backwards instead of forward. It took place probably months before when you allowed the little foxes to creep into your field, man. Come on, somebody. You see, the little foxes are the ones that'll get you. The big foxes can take the corn from the top of the stalk and walk right away. And guess what? That stalk's going to produce another ear of corn. The little foxes got to tear that bad boy in half at the stalk root and kill the stalk. Our falls don't happen when we fall, man. It happens that day when you choose not to apply yourself in your prayer closet. It chooses that day when you want to stay stuck on stupid during praise and worship. Hey, it's hard to raise your hands when you're in bondage. It's hard to dance when you're in shackles. Come on, somebody. The word of God says the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you ain't happy, then just start dancing. Just start moving around. And I promise you, God's going to show up because God is faithful. Let's go to Luke 10 and 31, the second takeaway for tonight. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, and by chance... A priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed him by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The second takeaway tonight is our comfort zone amputates God's hands and feet. I'll say that again. Our comfort zone what we're familiar with, what we're used to, what we're okay with, when what we believe God does, right? That's not God. Hey, when Jesus showed up walking on the water to the disciples in the boat, they thought it was a ghost. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it's not God. My God is a miracle maker, a demon slayer, a way maker, and he shows up every time his children have a need. Just because you're not familiar with it doesn't mean it's not God. Hey, I came into this church a Baptist. Hey, I'm not bashing Baptists, all right? Check it out. Look, I was a religious Baptist. Let me clarify that. I know some spirit-filled Baptists. I know a lot of them. Glory be to God. We're not bashing nobody. All right, you with me? I came into this house, and I grew up my entire life in churches where if you raised your hand during praise and worship, the usher was coming up to you saying, are you all right, sir? Is everything okay? You sure? Do you need some water? Is everything? You don't like the worship service? Is it too long? Do we need to cut down the phone? Do we need to cut too, too many songs? What? How long are we allowed to preach? Are we? Right? And I came in here. These people are jumping around and going crazy. And I told Zachariah, I said, there's no way I'm ever going to jump around and act crazy like that. And within six days, I was jumping around and screaming more than any of them because I got set free. Come on, somebody. Our comfort zone amputates God's hands and feet. We are the hands and feet of God. Don't take my word for it. First Corinthians in 12, we'll pick it up in 24, subsection B. We'll give Brady a second to get there. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the members which lacked. Giving more to the members which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. 
the same care? They don't have favoritism in the body of Christ? David said, my desire is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Do you know in the house of God, there is no sibling rivalry? I didn't say that right. Elliot, your, your, your spirit's tripping on me. There is no sibling rivalry in the house of God. There is no competition in the house of God, and there is no need for performance in the house of God. Come on, somebody. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. The guest of honor, the Holy Ghost, the comforter, so that there may be no divisions in the body 25, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Why do we got to be down and why, and like we drank a, a cup of lemon juice when we see our brothers or sisters get blessed in the house of God? If my brother or sister's getting blessed, all that means is God is on the block. Can I get an amen? That means my blessing is on the way. Let's go to the third and final takeaway. Luke 10 and 33. The word of the Lord reads like this. It says, but a Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Third takeaway and final takeaway of the night is God's salvation came from society's outcasts. I'll say it again for you taking notes. God's salvation came from society's outcasts. I'm starting to wrap this thing up, Mr. Matthew. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. Webster's definition of salvation is preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. The word Jesus translated in Hebrew literally means salvation. Jesus, salvation, preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. See, God's focus isn't on the fall. Can I get a witness in the house? You see, because on Calvary's cross, he traded my trespasses for his trophy of triumph. On Calvary's cross, he turned my sorrow into singing. He danced on the grave that marked my death. He delivered me into his divine destiny. He broke my brokenness. He destroyed death and he walked away with the keys. On Calvary's cross, he defeated, defeat, hallelujah. Can I get a witness in the house of God? His focus is not on your fall. His focus is on your future. If you guys were to stand right there. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God's focus isn't on your fall. God's desire isn't for you to stay stuck on your past. We acknowledge our past so we don't return, but we don't camp out there. Come on, somebody. We got to go forward. You know that a shark only swims forward? Woo! The shark is like the king of the ocean, right? I don't think they got a lion shark, right? The shark is the king of the ocean. A shark only swims forward. It's the only direction it goes. Come on, somebody. He said nothing present or future will take you from the love of God because your past is paid for, man. Hey, so let's be encouraged in the house of God tonight. His focus isn't on your past. You know that the word of God literally says that he removes your memory of your past? That he gives you new thoughts. 
that he's doing a new thing. Come on, somebody. Be encouraged in the house of God tonight. We don't have to stay stuck on yesterday. Let's go forward into the future and be used as the hands and feet of God to march boldly towards the throne of mercy, claiming the fire of heaven to walk in the supernatural and refuse to settle for the finite and substitute the eternal for the finite. Can I get a witness in the house of God? Hey, if heaven, if heaven is appointed in me, the Holy Ghost, something as massive and as powerful as the force that is inside of me. James 4, 4 says that he's jealous of the spirit that he placed inside of me. If heaven is appointed inside of me, then something's bound to come out. Can I get a witness in the house? Glory be to God. So let's go forward as a body. Let's go forward as a family, more importantly. Look to your right and to your left. Say, I'm going forward for the glory of God. Touch your neighbor on the right. Say, I'm going forward for the glory of God. Touch your neighbor on the left. Say, I'm going forward for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Let's give him some praise.